the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Honest, straightforward, and right to the point. The Rob Black Show. Volatile year starting. I tend to find a lot of volatility as seasons change, especially when you live on the East Coast. But volatility on Wall Street is kind of telling you there's a change. Maybe it's a, let's evaluate risk differently. Maybe it's uh, it's been too good for too long. It could be a low interest rate environment becoming a higher interest rate environment. Well, let's go through it. The government websites that allow you to order four free COVID masks had a soft launch yesterday and supposedly went pretty well. Um, I don't know. I think we're all a little bit in our head, Omicron out or COVIDed out. Will this be a big game changer? I can tell you after you go on vacation or after you head out of town and come back and your kids have to go back to school, you need tests. That's nice. But I'm also at the point where everyone I know is treating a head cold as should I get tested? A chest cold as should I get tested? I don't know. That's where I'm at. The NASDAQ was down 2.6% yesterday. SP 500 down 1.8%. The Dow Jones Industrial Average down 1.5%. Ten-year Treasury sits at 1.87 basis points. Uh, I'm sorry, 187 basis points or 1.87%. 100 basis points equals 1%. Historically, this is very low. But in the last year, it's very high. And that's where the change is coming in on Wall Street that it doesn't really necessarily dig in the short term. But in the long term, everything will be A-OK because that's telling you things are improving in our economy. Bitcoin had a little bit of a rebound yesterday, up one half of 1% to 42360 Oil was a little bit of a leader yesterday. People are starting to talk about $100 oil. And the next thing that's going to upset the market won't be maybe interest rates or inflation because we're starting to hear more and more about that. Demon known versus demon unknown. The next thing that could upset Wall Street could be $100 oil. And it's expected to get there if Russia invades Ukraine. Could happen. Any sort of disruption, any sort of stress, any sort of world dramatic event could push oil to $100 a barrel. The longer term trend is for oil to be lower, but the short term trend is for it to be higher. The short termness of oil causes a little bit of anxiety on Wall Street. Prospects of higher borrowing costs has pummeled tech companies this year. 10-year treasury yield jumped to its highest level in two years, pushing stocks lower. Um, I would say the last two years have been glorious. If we can have two years glorious, one year down 10%, I'd be okay with that. But I know people have grown into that instant gratification world. Oil prices jumped to a seven-year high after an attack on the United Arab Emirates raised concern about a supply squeeze. And then you get that whole Russia-Ukraine thing. Goldman Sachs predicts the Brent crude will top $100 a barrel this year because the pandemic hasn't hurt demand for fuel as much as expected. 
little thing about yesterday, and um, I, I was writing down some notes, and I'll try to get into more detail as the show goes on. Microsoft buying Activision, one of the reasons this is going to be big is it's really about getting a library of content. You've seen Netflix spend billions to get a library of content. Microsoft spent billions to get a library of content from Activision Blizzard. You've seen Amazon spend big to get James Bond movies. Content, content, content. Back catalogs. All the Call of Duty games are worth replaying one more time for nostalgic reasons and or for better graphics and better performance. But here's where there's going to be a definitive loser. And I can't say this with certainty because people buy stuff that makes no sense. But GameStop should be an absolute loser in this deal because Microsoft's buying the content to put it online in their Game Pass. The next console probably won't be a console. You probably won't have an NVIDIA supercomputer in your house. Microsoft will have the Microsoft Xbox Series 2. Um, Xbox Series X Part 2. So like in three years, you may be able to get one for your home, but you're probably going to be playing all the new hardware platforms that will be updated monthly and weekly and annually online on Microsoft said you just need a fast internet connection to play the game. And as that happens, GameStop goes out of business. Much like Netflix, if you're willing to watch movies and TV shows at home, it's not quite the experience of the movie theaters, but that puts movie theaters out of business. So there's services that Google have, um, Valve, Microsoft and Sony all have a streaming service of games online. And when it first came out, it was awful, but they started fixing it immediately. Um, So this is about streaming down the road as more and more homes get broadband internet. And you won't need to miss Christmas this year because you didn't get the new Sony PlayStation Pro. That'll just be online and Microsoft will buy the hardware and upgrade it. But you'll come to them as an app. See, okay, like here's another thing. So Microsoft gets frustrated. They're seeing Apple have an app store and every game that's bought through the app store, Apple's getting 30% cut of. Microsoft wants that 30% cut. Apple it makes more money on their gaming services than Microsoft does on the Xbox. That's something you need to, to like digest for a second. And you don't think of an Apple as a gamer, a developer, or a hardware player in, well, the phone's hardware. But you get the idea. On to a new topic. I don't know what to make of the United States transportation companies, AT&T and Verizon, the 5G issues. I can tell you that it's a tower issue. It's not your phone that's going to bring the plane down, but the tower that's near the airport and how much electricity is pumping through it. And it just goes to show you, like, I'm sorry, I'm not bashing the previous uh, regime in the White House. How did this get so late in the situation where the FAA doesn't know what the hell's going on with AT&T and Verizon's towers? Uh, what's happening to our government entities that are supposed to keep us safe and protected? And maybe it wasn't the last administration. Maybe it was 10 administrations ago. I don't know where it started going bad, but that's kind of concerning because Europe has 5G figured out with planes. 
they've already said, you know, to the, the phone companies, you need uh, 1.2 volts going through this tower, not 2.4 volts. And now the FAA is going to start figuring out, oh, we could have done that. The U.S. Omicron wave began as we were putting holiday decorations up over Thanksgiving. It appears to be in retreat now. The New York City seven-day average of daily users has fallen to less than 20,000 from the high of 43,000 earlier this month. Washington, D.C. cases are down 20% in the last 14 days. Is the end game near? I think, unscientifically speaking, it feels like media is telling us that this is going to become a flu shot type of thing. And that should be good for the economy and a reason to buy a dip in the stock markets. Do you buy 10% dips or do you buy 20%? I can't answer that for you. But you don't ever have to buy at all-time highs. You don't ever think you're going to be correct in buying at all-time lows. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Resources to help you manage your money. Visit robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. A personal financial plan with custom investment advice. That's why Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. With over $12 billion in assets under management and more than 80 financial professionals at the helm, EP services were built with you in mind. How can they help you? Find out at robblackshow.com. Robblackshow.com. I am not trying to confuse this segment with specific investment advice for you, so you shouldn't either. But coffee shop foot traffic is strong. All the news and insight, retail pros um, kind of get together and, and you, you start to cobble together some of the, the antidotal evidence of what's been happening over the last two years in the casual dining space. I think that's what we call the category of retail. Um, Don't forget, Starbucks has a big push of people who sit down and kind of like stay for a couple hours. So the restaurant industry is looking at Starbucks. The Starbucks is looking at the overall restaurant industry, quick service restaurants versus casual restaurants. It's worthy of note, the coffee space notched notable two-year growth over 2019. Okay, now we're getting somewhere. As we're in the year 2022, we've been saying essentially COVID hit America in January of 2021. So we can now look at 2022 and go back to 2019, November and December, and start seeing how did we do before COVID really hit versus where we are now and what happened in between. Coffee space, not notable two-year growth. If you skip the pandemic, up 8.4% in November of 2021. Versus uh, 2019 and December 2021, up 7.5% versus 2019 Decembers. I know I'm throwing a lot of mixed numbers there. But coffee's back. The pandemic is, you can now say the sale, well, again, you get some inflation and some bogus ways to look at numbers, but you get the idea. Visits are back to pre-pandemic levels. Some behaviors have changed. Consumers have shortened their time in the chain. They've shifted their visits to late morning. 
this is a trend that Starbucks can help other restaurants kind of see what to expect in the future. Caribou Coffee and Pete's Coffee doesn't have the scope that Starbucks does. So we expect late coffee getters to continue. Um, I've been brewing more at home in the six o'clock hour, not grabbing a coffee on the road, going to work. So when I do go into work, it's at the nine o'clock hour now versus see how it's, it's working. With the emergence of new COVID variants, smaller players like Caribou and Pete's have been vulnerable to foot traffic fluctuations and year over year decreases. But Starbucks is showing us where we're going back to. Broader scope. Classic East Coast, West Coast fight brewing. Dunkin' Starbucks, they're infringing on each other's territory. Starbucks notched 30% year-over-year foot growth traffic on the East Coast. In the Pacific Northwest, uh, not the Pacific Northwest, but specifically the Northeast of the United States. That's an interesting one. Peloton's going to cut jobs. We are seeing right now the rise and fall of Peloton in real time. It too, like the foot traffic of coffee over the last two days is returned to normal. What is normal for Peloton? We don't know. Because before the pandemic, we kind of heard about this high-end bike and it was kind of cool. And we heard about people doing classes, but let's face it, Peloton had its big break when um, pandemic hit and gyms closed. So now Peloton, they, they said, we're going to make clothes. Well, no one's buying the clothes. They're going to fire all those people. And they got sales and marketing that they're going to have to scale back on. They've been opening a lot of storefronts. They're shutting down a couple of those. They're slowing development there. Shares are down 76% in the last year after rising 440% in 2020. Most on Wall Street think Peloton now is roadkill. And the pieces will be picked up by someone like an Apple or Nike. Nike would be an obvious bad idea. Whereas Apple, who can manufacture the heck out of stuff, would be a wise idea on a vertical. And a lot like you saw Microsoft yesterday scoop up Activision. Stock had been $120 two years ago. And it falls to 60 because the culture at Activision turned into a bro culture misogynistic and in a country that's excuse me for saying this a little bit too woke uh uh-uh, not gonna fly and again i don't know a lot about the social ramifications of what i'm talking about when i say oh we're too woke or we're not woke enough or black lives matter or like it's getting overwhelming trying to navigate this from a perspective of corporate america But a lot like Microsoft scooped up Activision for a discount, Apple can scoop up Peloton for a discount from where it was or where we thought the potential was. And yesterday I went for a run and I got my heart beat up to 30 minutes of optimal levels. Felt good. I would say it was my first real attempt to get back into 2019 shape. Once again, we're talking about this two-year window. Oh, you know, it's gone up, 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 up in value. I made some chicken piccata last night that was to die for. Last two years, my cooking game has gone up, but my health game has gone down. That's how we're going to look back at 2019, 2021. Oh, I remember in 2019, I was in good shape. 
Oh, in 2018, I was eating ravioli. But during the pandemic, I learned to cook. So morale's at an all-time low at Peloton. I don't know what's going to happen. And when you start speculating on companies getting acquired, you make a mistake. Only buy companies that you really, really want to own. I bought some Activision two weeks ago, considerably lower than it was now. I'm not patting myself on the back, but I bought it because I would want to own it for five, 10 years, not any takeover scenario, which actually played out with Microsoft. Um, another bad news for Peloton is as 2020 hit and people were locked down and gyms were closed. Awesome. As 2021, we started creeping back to gyms. Not so good. But 2021 was also the year of crazy inflation. And that hit Peloton too. And now they went from trying to cut price their bikes last year to stimulate demand to, uh uh-oh, we can't do that because it's more expensive to make them. So now they're increasing the price of their bikes. When they tried to decrease them to get stimulate demand, they did it at the wrong time. Prices were rising. So Peloton has a higher, there's nothing to like about this company right now. They have inflation problems. They have gyms reopening problems, but could they be acquired? Yes. But that plays into my favorite phrase of all time. If ifs and buts were candy and nuts, oh, what a party we'd have. You can't, you can't count on a white knight coming in. Microsoft just spent a big part of their war chest. Not all of it, but a big part. There's only so many dollars chasing so many broken companies. But as broken as Activision became because of the cultural issues with their CEO, Peloton is on a fundamental level. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. A straightforward approach to managing your money. The Rob Black Show. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing more. It's always my favorite day of the week, hump day, not because it has that image of a camel that sticks in our head forever and ever, but because it's kind of a halfway through the week, where are we now kind of situation report card on Wall Street. Yeah, you could look at Wall Street on a week-by-week basis, month-by-month, year-over-year. Professionals like the year-over-year a lot more because you get perspective, but joining me now to talk a little about current perspective and insights of the market, Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com. How are you, Mr. O'Hare? Good morning, Rob. I'm doing fine. Thanks. Glad to be back with you. We're off to a bit of a bumpy start this year. We're going one week on, one week off kind of thing. So I'm missing the updates because the year has started off a little bit more volatile than I'm recently used to. Um, A lot of stories. It's like the rise of interest rates, the potential war in the Ukraine, um, some drama building between the United States and China, the Olympics around the corner. Elections are deep down in the year, but they're this year. Uh, where should we start? Because uh, the markets seem to be a little bit volatile, a little bit turbulent is the word I'm looking for. Sure. Well, um, I think we can start in the latter half of December, frankly. Um, okay. You might recall that uh, that period, you know, roughly from December 20th to December 30th was was a fantastic period for the market. S&P 500 was up uh, over 6% in that span, and you had stocks like uh, Tesla went up close to 23% in just 10 days. NVIDIA was up 12%, Microsoft up 8%. So we had a really, um, I guess, uh, a liquid rush there at the end of the year uh, that uh, was just overdone, frankly. It was overcooked, and it was due for some consolidation anyway. 
And lo and behold, you get this nice proximate catalyst with rising interest rates uh, coming into play here in the early part of the year as a great excuse to effectively uh, reduce uh, some crowded positioning in those high growth and uh, growth stocks, the mega cap stocks, if you will. And, and we're seeing that, right? And so what we've talked about, though, even throughout 2021 was the factor that uh, interest rates would be the change agent for this bull market. Not so much the fact that interest rates are going up, but it's the pace at which they're going up. And as we've seen here in early 22, they've gone up pretty quickly. And even though they're still low on a nominal basis, that rate of change has factored in as a negative for investor sentiment. And so you're just kind of getting a collective de-risking here in some of those, certainly the high multiple stocks. Uh, and now we're starting to see some of the uh, the value names uh, weaken a bit here after they had benefited from some rotation because we're now starting to uh, hear a little bit more about how compensation expenses are crimping profit growth. And so there's a little concern that as we roll through the fourth quarter earnings reporting season here over the next month to six weeks, that you're going to hear more companies discuss that, that profit margin constraint. So let's start with the interest rates, or let's get into the interest rates. The interest rates have moved from 1.6% to 1.85% on the 10-year. I try to relax my listeners and my viewers on television by saying, we've had stocks do well in higher interest rate environments, but it's that short-term transition. What can you tell us that's going on about interest rates that, that kind of makes people so edgy? Well, I think you, you can look at the front end of the curve, uh, that being the two-year yield, to get a little perspective on what is happening here. And, and what you're seeing is the market starting to recognize that uh, the Fed is likely going to have to be more aggressive uh, in reining in inflation than it had previously expected the Fed might need to be. Uh, now, there's a lot of time, obviously, left in the year, but uh, what we've seen unfold here in the last month or so is that, you know, you've gone uh, – entering that December FOMC meeting, you know, many market participants were thinking, yeah, we might get two rate hikes in 2022. And then the summary of economic projections suggested, uh, you know, there was a median estimate for three rate hikes among among Fed members. And now, lo and behold, the Fed funds futures market is is pricing in – uh, four rate hikes in 2022. And then in between there, you also had the, uh, you know, the minutes effectively applied that, uh, you know, the, uh, the Fed is going to entertain what's called quantitative tightening, uh, a little bit sooner than what was expected. So, uh, so you've had a change in terms of the market's perspective in, in the Fed's leaning. Uh, and because of that, um, that shift, you've seen the two year note yield uh, jump about 30 basis points to just over 1%. Uh, again, that's not a super high rate, but it is the highest since February 2020. And it's also a reflection of kind of, uh, you know, uh, how interest rate, the interest rate path might unfold here for the Fed here over the near term. And then, so the back end with the 10-year note yield at 1.86%, I think you're right to point out it's not, it's not a high nominal yield by any means. Uh, but you do have, uh, I think, uh, some inflation expectations that are embedded there uh, and just the idea that uh, uh, that treasuries are not looking as um, as safe of a place to be right now as this interest rate dynamic unfolds here. Uh, and so you've seen, a, you know, some selling taking place there. And I add one more factor on top of that. 
Uh, inflation is not unique to the United States. You're seeing it around the world. Uh, inflation in the U.K. reported this morning at a 30-year high. Germany CPI at a 30-year high. Uh, the German boon yield actually turned positive <laughs> for the first time in almost three years today. Uh, you can get the, the grand nominal yield of about 0.01% on a 10-year <laughs> German boon now. But the point being is that you've seen a sell-off also in those markets, and as rates head higher in foreign markets, uh, that kind of takes a little bit of uh, some of that premium out of the treasury market that has been embedded there because of the persistent negative yielding environment that we've seen in Europe. Now, <clears throat> 20 years ago, I was more focused on, and I won't say, I, I, I would always come back to catchphrases. And one of them is it always comes down to earnings, you know, earnings, 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 what drives markets, earnings, inflation, not so much, interest rates, not so much. Earnings drive the market in the long term. Um, we're in earnings season. We start with the financials. What sort of report card are you reporting on your page one for briefing.com? What are you seeing so far in the earnings season? Right. Well, I mean, you're seeing, you know, again, you know, there's only been, I think, about 20, maybe 30 companies that are reported. But you see the majority of those companies checking in with better than expected bottom line numbers. But the tonality of what is uh, what we're hearing is is starting to uh, lead to some pause in terms of the bullish minded action. Right. Is that, you know, J.P. Morgan probably ignited it with. It's, um, it's significant increase in compensation expenses and uh, and disappointing earnings growth there. Goldman Sachs uh, checked in yesterday, kind of a, a similar story there. Um, while revenues were ahead of expectations, earnings were were significantly under expectations, and it was driven by higher compensation costs. So, uh, so even though uh, fourth quarter earnings right now, according to facts, that are projected to be up about 21% year over year. Which is which is really strong, frankly. Um, uh, you're not getting the same positive reaction there because it's not about what is happening or what happened in the fourth quarter. It's about what might happen in 2022, and there's this concern that um, that compensation expenses are going to start to factor into lower profit margins for for corporate America, and so you're definitely going to see a deceleration in earnings growth regardless in 2022, just because you're working off of such strong comparison. So, uh, for instance, the current consensus estimate for the calendar year 2022 uh, projects S&P 500 range growth of about 9%, um, which is which is okay, you know, but it's just a, it's a market slowdown from what we've seen in, in more recently. And now there's concern that you're going to see perhaps downward earnings revisions if we hear more companies talk about compensation expenses crimping profit growth. And um, I'd again have to point to some work done by FactSet. Uh, in the first 20 companies that reported earnings for the fourth quarter reporting period, 60% of them pointed to uh, higher labor costs as a factor that uh, impacted their profit growth. So uh, so again, you kind of have an early sense that we might hear more about that as this earnings season unfolds. We've got about literally one and a half minutes. Is there anything else that you can add? Because I feel your knowledge is being soaked up really well right now. Well, one of the one of the things that uh, you know we had heard the Fed say in the past, particularly Fed Chair Powell, was just that they weren't seeing uh, really any strong signs of wage-based inflation pressures. Uh, it was okay. largely driven by higher commodity costs uh, and also the supply chain factors that were impeded with uh, staffing shortages related to COVID and and transportation bottlenecks. But 
I think that we're about to see uh, more evidence of wage-based inflation pressure, which is kind of another reminder that the Fed was really off base with its view last year that inflation pressures would be transitory. Uh, and I think that that factor has been underestimated on the Fed's part, and it's probably going to play into lingering concern here in the marketplace about a more aggressive Fed throughout 2022 as now wage-based inflation pressures start to hit home. Thank you very much. Um, it's interesting seeing how Jerome Powell is being portrayed as maybe missing it. You are always on top of everything that goes on the market. It is wildly appreciated. It's Patrick O'Hare with briefing.com. He joins us every Wednesday at this time. Um, it's part of my favorite part of the week because I get to go outside my world into his and I get to let him educate me and you. I think it's always valuable. A subscription to briefing is a great idea for a loved one who is managing their own portfolios. You can check them out online at briefing.com. It's briefing, like the word briefing.com, a reliable source of both national and international news and focuses on the economy and the stock market. There's a lot going on there with tech trends and IPOs. It is my favorite financial site to gather information, um, to put together a show like this for you. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. You can find briefing at briefing.com. Have a question? Reach out at robblackshow.com. Robblackshow.com. So my work on coffee shops yesterday and foot traffic returning to 2019 levels was based on, do I want to buy shares at Starbucks or not for my personal portfolio? And then as I started seeing some of the trends, one of the big trends right now in coffee shops is drive throughs And one of the companies that does coffee drive throughs really well that ultimately just came public recently is a company called Dutch Brothers. Now, they do franchise drive through shops. They offer hot and cold espresso-based beverages, cold brew coffee products, Blue Rebel energy drinks, teas, lemonade, smoothies, and other beverages, 470 drive through locations in 11 states. I'm not a coffee nut. My spouse is. And she said, she's always saying, oh, I wish the, the company would have, I wish Starbucks had more uh, drive throughs Oh, I wish Pete's had more drive throughs Guess what the big trend on restaurants is? We learned it in COVID times. McDonald's was dominant because they had drive throughs established. I think that's interesting to note. So Dutch Brothers came public last year. And everything I've seen on the stock is it's too expensive. It's too expensive. It's too expensive. It's too expensive. It's too expensive, which is fine. So I stay, I don't even, you know, go after it. But when I start seeing the success of coffee shops coming back, um, I, I, I take a look at Dutch Brothers for the first time ever. Stock's risen dramatically since IPO at $23. It went to $80. It's now at $40. That reminds me of the action of Facebook where it came public at $40 and went to $60 and went to $18. And last time to buy it super cheap was when it fell after the IPO. I like it when stocks fall after IPOs. First six to nine months, I won't touch it. When I was younger, it didn't sound so creepy for me to say, yeah, I don't want to date 18-year-old girls. I want to date women. <laughs> Today would sound even creepier. Because I'm no longer in my mid-age. I'm starting to get to the latter stages. Not really quite, but of my career for sure. Um, but taking a look at Dutch Brothers, it's, it's interesting. 
I would need to do a lot of work on it. I've never heard of their proprietary Blue Rebel energy drink. A big part of their growth strategy is expanding quickly. It opened 33 new shops in third quarter, which 30 were company operated. Since 2015, shop count has nearly doubled to more than 500 drive through shops across 11 states. Company entered into new, two new states this year with Texas and Oklahoma. They want to hit 4,000 locations within 10 to 15 years. Um, they're at 500 and they want to hit 4,000. So do you see the growth? Every year, you're going to see revenue growth. Now, their throughput is, to me, what's impressive is how well their stores do. Half their stores are franchisees. They are allowed to open new stores in their existing markets. However, the vast majority of future growth will be through company-owned shops, kind of like McDonald's business model. The allure of the Dutch Brothers brand is on personal service and experience. Owning the store itself allows brothers to have a greater control over this. Starbucks wants every cup of coffee to look and smell the same. McDonald's wants chicken nuggets to look and smell and taste the same in France as it does in Germany, as it does in Australia, as it does in the United States. A lot of Americans like the consistency of chains. Dutch Brothers doesn't have a lot of history, so I'm not going to put a lot of value in it, but I'm looking at it because of the massive pullback. I would probably say it's going to line up to be more of a trading idea for me than owning a Starbucks. Um, Again, consult a broker advisor for taking action on anything I ever mention on the show. Um, So Sachi Nadelli yesterday said he wants the gaming empire of Microsoft to be big enough so that people, gamers can bypass Apple's app store. Um, Microsoft Microsoft doesn't have an app store, but in the world of video games, they soon will. Do you know what I'm saying? So and they want developers to come there to get the eyeballs of the players. I just find that to be kind of interesting. I get emails like this all the time. My grandmother died leaving a million dollar estate. I asked my mother what happened to the half of the money. She said, I spent it. Uh, Inheritances are, are massively problematic. Um, grandma dies probate lawyers have been on mom's case to collect the necessary documents to settle the estate the judge is tired of it being on the docket Um, there's multiple generations of heirs and the mom is in control of the checkbook and the mom says oh yeah grandma had a lot of bills I've been paying bills and everyone seems to be dragging their feet. Try to get a trust or a will together. Try not to appoint a family member, the ex- executor of your will. Um, don't put a family member in the situation of the mom gets to make the decision and the mom hates the daughter's husband or the mom hates the daughter or the daughter and the mom haven't talked in 10 years and you're leaving money to two generations that don't like each other. there's some nutty, nutty stuff that goes on. And then people have to start suing each other, legal intervention. Um, Or let's say the mom inherits the money, but she's supposed to give half of it to the granddaughter and her husband, but 
she suddenly has a shopping addiction. She suddenly is like spending the estate on a Lamborghini as her husband left her. And now her daughter left her and married a man and never visits. And she doesn't get to see the grandkids. And if there's multiple generations you're giving money to, my mom gave it just to her kids. And it spelled out everything gets liquidated and splits in six. There's six kids. Everything gets split in six. If she was giving it to grandkids and stuff, it could become very ugly because some of the grandkids are, how shall we say, the black sheep of our family. Having a last name like black has a lot of negatives that come with it. Uh, we're all black sheep. Uh, you can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is the Rob Black Show. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.